Welcome to our first episode of Make Your Show, The Creators. This series is intended to inspire and educate storytellers on how to produce films and series that offer examples of their work. Our first guest is actor, writer, and director Eric Witten, who has been at the helm of numerous independent projects that showcase his work. We learned a lot from Eric, but I would say three big takeaways that I got were that we find out why he started creating work that didn't feature him as an actor, We learned some hard truths about crowdfunding, and we learned about why we really need to think of ourselves as artists. So by hearing what led Eric to produce his own stories, we hope that his creative energy will offer you inspiration to take control of your career as an artist, too. I went and I looked at your website, your resumes, and all this amazing work that you've done. When Jason told me that you created your own work, it's a surprise when you look at somebody's resume and they have directed, written, produced, edited, filmed, uh, what is this, seven things in two years? (laughs) Uh, So normally we would start out with something like, what got you into making your own work? But my first question is, how did you do so much work in such a short time? But yeah, so how did you get started making your own work? Um, well, I guess uh, it actually kind of started with a, a script. So uh, a friend of mine was in Afghanistan, uh, and this was, well, man, this was a long time ago. Uh, but a friend of mine was in Afghanistan, and he came back. And we had a long conversation about it. And he said, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm messed up in my head for the rest of my life. Like he was being very honest and genuine mm-hmm. about it. And I didn't know anything about post-traumatic stress at all. And because he was a dear friend of mine, I wanted to learn more. So I spent a year researching post-traumatic stress. And in that time, I was like, well, it would be really interesting to like write a film about this. So I started, that was my first venture. I started by writing a, uh, a feature film, never written a script before in my life. That's ambitious. I started by <laughs> writing a feature film about this guy who was dealing with post-traumatic stress uh, after the war. And, you know, I got about, I got about 60 to seven, almost 70 pages through it and realized, you know, it wasn't coming, the things that I wanted to say, I didn't have the capability to say at the time. But that was kind of my first foray into this whole process. Had you ever written anything before, like anything for the stage or monologues or anything? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd written like little small things. I had written like a couple things. A buddy of mine ran a, a one-act theater, theater thing. So every month they would have one-act plays where they would have uh, writers, directors, and actors. And they would have a theme or a topic. Uh, And that's actually where my first film came out of was that because they had a theme or a topic, which mine was film noir. And they had, you had to have a specific line that you had to say. And they had a film noir package, which was like a a trench coat and a gun and a (laughs) fedora. And those those were your only constraints. And they were like, go. And so you had a, you had like a, a two weeks to write it and they had, a week to rehearse it, and then we put it up on the fourth week, and they did that every single month. They still do it too. Wow. That's cool. Uh, well, not not right not right now, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, well, that sounds like a great experience. But that's it, you know. So sometimes yeah, constraints are liberating, as far as uh, it gave you the great idea. I, I live. I actually live on constraints. <laughs> They're way better. Yeah. Than that's that's so, uh, but filmmaking on a budget. 
That's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. So I, I want to hear more about that project, but it does sound like you started out. I would say a lot of actors hear the same thing. You got to create your own work. Uh, I know I did. I didn't listen right away. <laughs> but in order to, uh, I believe, I don't know if this was stated explicitly, but to showcase yourself as an actor. It doesn't sound like that was what drove you to, to create that first project. No, not at all. And in fact, I've, I've yet to, to put myself in anything that I've, I've written. It is my eventual goal. When I, when I decided to, like my first film, Chalk, when I decided to do that, I wanted to remove myself as an actor completely because I wanted to completely be on that side to experience it. And also, too, now looking back, there's just no way I could, like, when you're wearing a director, producer, when you're wearing all those different hats and we were shooting it all in one day, a 16 hour day on a green screen. And it was just mad. It was craziness, crazy right. town. I was like, there's no way I could have been an actor. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's valid. I mean, that's, that's honestly for most actors, I'd say that's their biggest first in is that, you know, that they want to create something yeah. for themselves. And I always say that's, that's the best thing you could do right now, especially because it's so saturated that you need to, and as an artist, you, you want to create your own stories. You know sure. what I mean? Well, it's interesting because there are all these roles that are necessary to create TV or film. And mm -hmm. if you're coming at it first from the position of being an actor, it can be tricky to figure out how to balance it and what can I do. Writing seems like a first most obvious thing uh, as opposed to directing or, or, or being behind the camera. But again, it kind of looks like you've done it all. So can you tell us a little bit about if your goal wasn't to showcase yourself as an actor, what was your goal? Obviously, that first project was to understand your friend's story, but then you continue to make stuff. So how did your goals change and why did you take on these other roles and not act? I think because I, you know, I still continue to do it all. And I think for me, it was kind of like, you know, they say you get bit by the bug kind of, so to speak. Sure. Uh, I think I got bit by the bug. You know, I, I'd been an actor that started when I made my first film, I'd been, I'd already been an actor for going on 10 years. And, you know, the business is tough, right? And, and sometimes we need stuff to like creative things in our lives to kind of refresh us and make us feel whole again, you know, sure. in that kind of sense. And I think this gave me a, a refreshing feeling. Like it gave me a, a, a new creative feel. Like I was bringing a whole different side of myself to it, which made me a better actor. And the other stuff just kind of happened. I mean, you kind of had to, you know, when you do your first project, it, it's just you for the most part. I'd say you're accountable for yourself. So most of the back end work's going to fall on you. You, it's not going to happen unless you do it, unless you do everything, pretty much. And I had help. You know, I, I, I was fortunate in my first project to have good friends to help me. And I think that's also the most important thing. You know, if you have your first project, don't be shy about asking for help. What I've learned as a filmmaker, as a creator, is that if you have a project and you say it's written. I've got some, I got a little bit of money for it. You know, I've got my locations and, 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 you know, I'm taking care of X, Y, and Z. All you got to do is fill in, do this little thing for me. <clears throat> People are like, heck yeah, of course I'll do that. 
sure. people are hungry to create all the time, yeah. you know, because uh, most people don't have nearly as many opportunities to create as they want. Sure. So if you set it up and say, here it is, people are like, yeah, I'll do that. Don't worry about, you know, don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. I'll, you know, it's, it's well, and talking about the, um, the budget part of it. Um, a lot of people are asking about budget right now because so there's, there's just no money right now for, for a lot of artists to create. But yeah. during that time, did you, did you use um, online campaigns? Did you use- I did. To raise money. Can you tell us about yeah, that a little I, bit? Yeah, so I've actually uh, I've crowdfunded two campaigns and I've, I've actually um, consulted a few people on crowdfunding as well. I did a lot of research. There's actually, a, do I have it right here? Um, I'm gonna find it. It's gonna be here somewhere. And of course it's not exactly <laughs> where I need it. In your tower of information. <laughs> um, it's hidden behind all my like dingles and dangles, like Little Mermaid. You know, she can... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's actually what um, was in my mind. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a great, oh, it's The Crowd Sorceress. Can't remember her name. That was the first book I was recommended. So a buddy of mine, Paul Castro, who's also a filmmaker actor, had done a bunch of crowdfunding. So I knew that. So my first thing was like anything, and it's the same thing with directing, it's the same thing with producing, it's the same thing with any of this, is I went, okay, well, who do I know that I've worked with or, or know, you know, that does this or has done this? Let me just go pick their brain. Let me take them to lunch. I think that's the most important. People are so nice about just sitting down and and just letting you pick their brain on stuff. I think that's the most important thing you could possibly do. But with crowdfunding, yeah, it's it's a beast, man. I mean, it's it's a it's a twenty four seven job. And what most people don't realize is that 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 job starts about three months before your actual campaign. Yeah. If you want it to be successful, there's a there's a lot that goes into it. Also, too, just going into it with the mindset of you have a goal, but it's okay if you don't get there. Or if it's okay if you go beyond that, you know what I mean? Because uh, just in general, as artists, I tell everybody all the time, it's about the journey. It's not about the end game. That's the most important thing. Because if, if you're if you're always looking at the end game, you're you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. It's going to be a long, hard road. Well, I think, I think Jason and I were talking about that a little bit before. Uh, yeah. And obviously, we started creating our own work to showcase ourselves as actors. Mm -hmm. But I think we were both lucky that we somehow were open enough to other possibilities that once we did start to see, oh, I enjoy producing or, oh, I'm good at directing, that you know, seeing other ways that you can be valuable and help tell your story or, or other people's stories, exactly. right? Because it sounds like, you started making your own work and your goal was just to tell the story. It wasn't even to further your career as an actor necessarily, but it inevitably led to new relationships and new roles. Would yeah. you say and that's led, true? Yeah, absolutely. And it led to other people being like, Hey, I heard you did this thing. Or my friend told me so much about working with you. Uh, I'd love to like sit down and talk to you about it. that actually happened over the last two years, a friend of mine, well, actually now he's a great friend of mine, but you know, we loosely knew each other from an acting group, Peter Pamela Rose. And he, uh, he reached out to me about like doing a short film, like just, uh, you know, doing a project and how, how to even do it. We sat down over coffee like two years ago 
And he told me the story and I thought it was a great story. And we talked about it more. And then we started hashing out. And I was like, why don't you, you go home and write it, go home and write the script, you know, don't worry about the length, you know, just write your story and bring it back. And then he brought it back and we hashed out and we worked it out and we kept fooling with it. And then, uh, you know, less than a year later, we were, we were filming it, but I think it's, you know, it comes down and I love telling other people's stories as much as I love telling my own stuff. I, I, there's, there's a unique challenge to it. You know, I think a lot of people give directors a lot of flack that don't write their own stuff. You know, you think of like Ridley Scott and stuff like that, like later on, like he only does other people's right. scripts versus like Tarantino or Nolan who write their own stuff. And there's unique challenges to both. I think they're both valid. They're, they both have their fun little quirks because then all of a sudden, like you're, you have a partner and you have this little partner, you know, in the writer and you, you guys get, it's not just your vision, you know, now it's two visions and you get to like do one of these things, whatever yeah, that is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I noticed you, you, you continuously talk about yourself as an artist. And I think that's so important for people to make that distinction. Um, I'm always, t uh, when people ask me um, for any advice, I always say, try to think of yourself as an artist and not just an actor waiting for an opportunity or, yeah. phone to ring i don't think we have phones that ring anymore but uh i guess that's uh, Mine's like, always on silent but, yeah they're uh, always vibrating so my, so my question is did, even if you came from theater training which, which i did i think acting is it's such a hard business that we forget that there's a greater purpose involved in what we're trying to do had you always thought of yourself as that artist or did this making work on your own sort of inform how you think about yourself uh, that's a good question. I mean, it's weird, right? I don't know if it was ever, I don't know if that was ever like in my brain. I mean, I think for me, you know, acting had always interested me, whether consciously or subconsciously, you know, looking back, people always ask me, if you always wanted to be an actor? And I was like, yeah, I think subconsciously, you know, because I look at back when I was a kid with my dad, VHS recorder, always like running around setting it up and recording myself doing stupid stuff. And then also the filmmaker side makes sense because I was always running around with that same VHS recorder, recording my friends doing stupid stuff. I was never making like epic movies like Steven Spielberg, you know, when I was a kid, you know, stuff like that. It was always like sketch comedy, stupid stuff. But I, I never, you know, I think the the actor side of me, everybody has uh, dreams of grandeur. You know, I mean, you you... I never wanted to be like a star, but I always wanted to be like a consistent working actor. I always wanted to have those opportunities. And I think for me, it was when those opportunities weren't coming up as often as I knew I deserved or I'd worked for, that I was like, well, maybe that's not where the universe is calling me in this moment. And that's okay. You know, I know my actor road. I know what that road looks like. And, it, and, and as you said, John, you know, you got to allow yourself when another door opens to be like, I'm going to see what's in this room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you always know how to get back to the hallway. You you can go in this room and you can dabble a little bit and then you can come back to that hallway and you come back to that room. It's uh, And eventually you realize it's just one big lobby. <laughs> True. <laughs> and everybody's just like mingling around, like doing different, you know, it's yeah. like a everybody has their food stands, you know, you're just like in one big area. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody's moving around. Well, that leads me to another question. I, I, something else Jason and I were talking a little bit about was, you know how to get back to that actor door or, you know, to the main lobby. Do, do you feel like in what way has taking on these other roles of writer, producer, director, uh, everything that you've done, 
How have those roles helped inform your work as an actor? Uh, I think a uh, uh, thousandfold. I mean, first, as a writer, it makes you respect the word of the writer. I was fortunate enough in, in the school that I went to that they graded us on word perfect, right? Our teacher that taught us uh, in our scene study class was adamant about word perfect. And that mm-hmm. helped. Where, where did you go to school, Eric? Uh, New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts. And you don't realize until you do start writing how important that is. You write it a certain way with a certain punctuation to bring out a certain idea or a certain flavor in your head. And if the actor is not honoring those punctuations in that regard, it's, it's not going to sound the same, especially in comedy. You know, you, you don't have the same resonance. You don't have the same tempo. You don't have all those things are in place. It's not going to hit. It's not going to land the same. Some right. people naturally are able to do it, you know, or just able to pick up a script and go, oh, because they're just, you know, funny people. But I think first and foremost is that. And I think also with the rest of it, you start to respect, A, people's time is the first thing and those positions and see how important the wheel is as a whole, that you are, while an important piece, a very small piece in a giant machine. It's a small world after all. You know, it's it's kind of that whole whole feeling. You realize how big the world, you know, how the, how the world really is, you know, how interconnected everything is. So you, you look at it, you say time. Time is important. Time is money, you know, in certain situations, which is why as an actor, it's you want to be prepared. You want to show up and do your thing. No, no one, no one to ask questions, no one to not. Like if you're on set for a television show and you're just like, a, you know, five lines on a, on, a, on a smaller role on a TV show, come in prepared, do your thing. If you want to ask one little small question, that's fine. But like, don't try to don't try to like drag it out or eat something up or because they got to go, you know, and you, you, you learn the importance of that when you're put under those constraints yourself and you want nothing more than to help that process. Yeah. It's just like with the casting process, when you're sitting on the other side and you're watching this, you have all of a sudden immense respect for what these people do (laughs) to such a greater scale. I mean, they're watching hundreds of people a day if that, you know, and it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy what they do and, and be able to like catalog who did what and why certain people tend to book more because I know from my own process, you watch somebody and as soon as somebody does something incredible, that bar is set. And anybody that drops below that, you're just like, okay, okay, okay. You're nice about it. And you're like, yeah, you give them the time because it is their time. But people aren't hitting that bar once it's set. And then, and, like, and then it informs you as the actor the next time you go into a room oh, yeah. to say like, wow, I know now what I ha- what I ha- how I have to be prepared in you order to be considered. Understand two things. One, as the actor, that you're not going to be right for every role. In fact, you're, you're not going to be right for most roles. And don't put that pressure on yourself. You go in you do your job, you have a little bit of fun in that room, and then you leave and forget it because there's so many variables. And we all hear this as actors. We hear it all the time at nausea, that there's so many variables, that it's out of your hands, yada, yada, yada. But it is true. I mean, at the end of the day, people are looking, because even when I had people come in and do a great audition, but they just weren't 
right. Like their headshot looked one way or I couldn't see their entire person. So it's, they seemed like they would have been a fit, but once they came in a room, their energy wasn't right. Even though they gave a good performance, their energy wasn't right. I can, you know, you can just feel things. You can just feel like, ah, this is not the right person. And it's nothing to do with that person. They were incredible, but it's, it's really interesting. I'll never forget. Yeah. One of the first things that I created when we did the casting session and I had such a wide variety of actors come in and read for this one role because it was very open in terms of who could play the role. So then you see people with great credentials, you see people with great schooling on on their resume. Everybody comes in, they're beautiful, they do a great job. And then one person walks in, no credentials, no resume, but just the moment they walk in the door, I saw it was just an essence thing, really. Mm, yeah. And just how they were. And this actor couldn't remember the lines. And I said, it's, it's fine. Don't worry about the lines. Just put the script down. He kept getting caught up on the lines. I said, it's fine. Just, just try to do this thing. You don't need the lines. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was funny. It's just strangely, somebody sent in a self-tape the next day and it changed again. But I was going to cast that person who couldn't, remember his lines because he was just perfect you know the, the yeah. essence uh such a surprise and a revelation for me as an actor did he get the part what's that did he get the part what no was, was again the next day somebody else said in a self-tape that was just something different and even more right what would I you say eric has been the number one benefit for you of creating your own work uh, peace of mind <laughs> maybe I mean in a way I think you know you as an actor if you're solely an actor I know I can only speak to me personally but I know for myself I was putting so much pressure on myself in so many different ways of getting down on myself because I wasn't where I wanted to be making excuses as to why I wasn't where I wanted to be I was putting blame on others and and the industry and everywhere else but myself and I think having a different side of creative work gave me, seeing the other side of it gave me that more worldly perspective to go, oh, okay, you know, like we just said, you know, this is not about, it's not me. It's not that I'm a bad actor or, you know, uh, or, or any of that. It's just it hasn't happened in that way. And that's okay. And that's not what it's about. It's not, again, it's not about, not me, it's about me becoming a series regular or uh, being in a, a ton of movies or, or whatever. It's, it's really about letting those doors in that hallway keep opening and keep just experiencing the journey. And, you know, if when I'm, you know, 78 and I've only made like a few short films, and, you know, I act here and there, and, but I have a happy, fulfilling life because the journey, I, I chose to do that journey, you know, at the end of the day, because very few people get to choose this journey, get to choose their dream journey, you know, the dream journey is hard, and it's never going to be exactly what you imagine it in no field, I, I don't believe anyway. Some people are fortunate, but, but I think for the most of, most of it, it's not going to be this grand thing that we think it's going to be and which is funny because this the statistics your face right yeah. for things the statistics are there i remember, I remember having uh we had a teacher pete mitaliano in, in school that on the first day of class he uh <laughs> he said uh 
He said, there are 13 of you in this class. He goes, in another year, half of you will be here. Two years after you graduate, maybe three of you will still be doing this. Wow. So like, you know, he kind of gave us those like hard line yeah. statistics and, you know, gave us the whole 2% of actors, you know, and all that stuff. But they also don't factor in all the other stuff that we do. But, uh, you know, you, you always think, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be that 2%. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But you, you realize that, that two percent's great, but you realize that that other ninety-eight percent—I mean, they're the magic. I mean, really, at the end of the day, because without them, that two percent wouldn't be here. And that's—that's—I think that's the biggest lesson. That's beautiful. I can't think of anything more eloquent than that to to inspire people. That's you know? right. We're still doing it too. Well, we have a little bit of time left. If we can, can you tell us yeah. what you're excited to be working on now or or next? So I have a couple of things floating around. So I, over the last three and a half years, I'd, I'd worked and written my first feature. And I finally got to a place where I was like, okay, cool. I can now send, you know, I'd been sending it out into the world, but not really out into the world to like competitions and stuff. So I kind of sent that out. It's about a young woman trying to become the next underground eating competition champion uh, <laughs> and, and redeeming her father's legacy in that world. So it's it's just kind of like silly airplane Mel Brooks style comedy because that's what I grew up with and that's what I love. And then my short film Chalk and also Daybreak that I directed and produced last year are both on the festival circuits right now, which has been really, really interesting. Uh, you know, I'd never navigated the festival circuit as a filmmaker before. So to A, have two films out there at the same time and B, be in such an interesting time for festivals. Because as you know, I mean, a lot of them are going online, which, you know, it's good that they're still doing it, but it's it's unfortunate too, because the, the whole point of festivals is really for filmmakers is to go and then network. Those are your future jobs. Those are your future connections. And you're not really going to get that in an online format, no matter how many Zoom seminars you do. It's just not going to be the same because then you're not going to meet these people in person and shake hands with them and talk to them face to face. You're just not going to have that you know, that in the room connection, which is the other unfortunate part of like how our business is going as, as actors, as we go more virtual, you know, you're taking that human element out of it. While it makes things more convenient for, for the production companies, you don't get the sense, like you said, John, like when that person walks in the room, you don't get that feeling. You don't have that feeling of, oh, wow, they have like a, they have an energy about them. You know, you can't tell that through a screen Yeah, for the most part, I think. But th so that's that, and uh, we're supposed to be doing a reality show slash documentary series, uh, kind of in the vein of uh, I don't know if you've watched the Netflix show Cheer uh, about the cheerleading. Uh, I haven't seen it, but heard a lot about it. Heard about it's it. actually it's actually really well done. So it's a mixture of that and Dark Tourist, which was also another Netflix show where this guy went around the world and uh, did all these weird. Uh, tourist things that were kind of like on the macabre. But I have a really good friend of mine who uh, is a longtime sideshow act and magician and former Hell Angel. And he, uh, we we're trying to set up this reality session documentary show where he would be the host and he has tons of really like 
incredible sideshow circus act friends all over Vegas and all over the United States and magicians. And like, he's super ingrained in that world. And we essentially are, we had started picking apart certain acts that have, there's certain things about these people that they have limitations in life, right? And while in a normal sideshow, you know, when people go look at a sideshow, they want to go look at, for lack of a better term, freaks. Yeah. And we want to take the freak out of those people and be like, not show, I mean, we show a little bit of what they do, but more about how they navigate like normal everyday life. How does this quadriplegic sideshow act navigate living by himself in an apartment alone, eating and and going to the store and dating and and stuff like that and humanizing these people. I think, you know, that's, that's interesting to me right now. So we're, we're trying to figure that out. It kind of got put on hold obviously sure. because of COVID, but that's kind of one of the things that we're, we're plowing around. And what is this new, teach, this new teaching opportunity that you have? Is it something that came from your film work? Yeah, so um, my good friend Paul, who I spoke of earlier, who kind of gave me all this advice on crowdfunding when I was first getting into that. And, you know, we've kind of tossed some things back and forth. And I was in one of his shorts a couple of years ago. He had just contacted me. He was about to move to LA and he contacted me. He said, hey, I have this friend who has a, runs a, an acting school and they're looking to expand and they're looking for a filmmaker. And I was like, heck yeah. I was like, I've been waiting to get out of the restaurant industry. For- <laughs> 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 I was like, please. <laughs> so yeah, it just kind of worked out. They couldn't have been lovelier people. So essentially what I do is, in addition to obviously acting classes and coaching and stuff like that, they offer uh, reels for students. So essentially my job is, so Kent, the owner, writes these scenes. They do up to eight scenes a month, two actors, so 16 actors total. And they write them very simple scenes, whether it's a, a dinner scene or um, a coffee shop scene or something in a living room or, or, or a reception area based on their school limitations. He writes them. And then I have two days to shoot all eight scenes. So four on each day. I direct them. I light them. I sound record them. I have one assistant who's fantastic Christian. And I just, I mean, I just started. So we just started this last month was my first month. And then the rest of the time I'm at home in the editing room, which is, which is also great to me because I learned how to edit, you know, through my own stuff, but this is really all, all the already starting to open up new worlds and make me learn new things, especially with audio engineering and, and coloring and stuff like that, that I kind of a little dabbled in, but didn't really understand. So you're just kind of sitting there watching the YouTube videos, you know, <laughs> constantly and be like, no, it's not the one I want. No, I want this, you know, yeah, trying to find the right one. So it's, it's great. It's a great opportunity for me to, to really kind of flex different muscles in a different way. And also in a very indie way, be very creative with the limitations that we have, you know, because there's a lot of things about those spaces where you just are super limited. Yeah. And also too, because they just moved into this brand new studio. So they have nothing in there. Yeah. hardly so you're like okay how do i make uh make this look like a restaurant yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in this empty room yeah. Yeah. Uh, so is this all on hold at the moment because of people how can you uh, can no you we're, we're we're still doing it we shot last month we did a bags like standard style you know with all the rules and regulations with masks and sanitizers and temperatures and 
and that whole thing as they came in. Um, and I was in masks and gloves the entire time. And so we shot that last month and then we're shooting the, the second one this month. So, you know, right. it's still ongoing. I think to Kent's surprise, he was like, well, people, he was worried about having nobody want to do it. You know, nobody wanted to, to take those, but people were hungry. People are wanting to do stuff right now. Yeah. And yeah. I think now I believe that while huge production companies and studios and television shows are all, you know, struggling to catch up and trying to figure out and navigate. I think now is the best time for indie. Like now is the best time to be making your own stuff because those, those limitations are there, but that they're not going to be as regulated as they are on the big studio system. You know, you can do it and, and, and be safe, but also still be able to thrive because you're going to be able to get into places cheaper and easier, I think, now than you ever were before because nobody's there. You know, check out your local restaurant. Nobody's there. You know, can I can I shoot here? Well, yeah, because we're closed down inside. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, those those are your opportunities right now. Sure. It's, it's Silver linings. Silver linings. Yeah. That's right. Well, Eric, I mean, we could keep talking. It's been great talking to you. We're going to have to wrap it up here, I think, unfortunately. But thank you so much for uh, for taking the time. We're hoping to uh, inspire people to continue to to stay the course and continue to be creative during this time. Yeah. Well, it was great to meet you and talk to you. Thanks so much. Good to see you again, my friend. Good to see you, Jason. Thank you, guys. Okay. Take care. Bye. We want to thank Eric for sharing his experience with us. If you want to get to know more about him and his work, Check out his website at ericwitten.net. And we'd love to hear what you guys are up to. Please check out our website. It's makeyourshow.tv. Connect with us, follow us, and keep an eye out for more episodes just like this one.